Thank you, Sharon, for getting us started. That piano was rocking this morning. It was. It was shaking. So thank you for uh, waking us and getting us going. We here at First Church would like to welcome those here as well as listening on the radio to our worship service this morning. Hope you find it inspirational and a blessing. The, uh, <clears throat> please uh, look through the, uh, the bulletin for those announcements that may, uh, that may be of interest to you. Uh, many things going on here, here at First Church and would like you to look through those and, and note those of interest. Uh, roses on the altar. We have couple, two couples celebrating 63 years of marriage on the same day. We have Mary Lee and Roger Eversman celebrating their 63rd, as well as Robert and Joanne Wilkins. So congratulations to you guys. Parents and students going on the ARC trip in July, there's a mandatory meeting next Sunday immediately following church service here uh, next door in the ministry center to fill out paperwork and finalize the details. The blue jug here on the steps is out for two more Sundays. Donations will go to Alglades County EMA CERT team and help local residents with the disaster aid and cleanup. Would you rise and join me in the call to worship this morning? Which is taken from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. For we will not fear that the earth give way and the mountains fall into the earth of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Now let us sing hymn number 26, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
next we have children's chat. And as they come up, please extend a smile, a hand, and, an, and a hug to those near you. Good morning. Oh, no, everyone's tired up here. I only heard one. Good morning. There we go. How are you guys this morning? Have you all started summer vacation? Yeah, no school for a couple months. Exciting. Well, I, you have your school picnic in May. I just lost my Bible verse. Who up here likes brownies? Not everybody. Does everybody like brownies or does just some people like brownies? Well, who loves brownies? Yeah, okay, we have a little more love than we do like. All right. Well, you know what? Our brownies, when you think about it, are kind of like our life. So let me tell you what I mean by that. Here is my brownie box. And Miss Shelby is going to make some brownies this afternoon. But I don't know what's in a brownie. So you know what? I had to look at the directions. And I brought some of those ingredients with me this morning. Um, I have some flour here. Does anyone want to try what just flour tastes like? Yeah. You do? All right. Go like this. Tap your finger on your tongue. Or All right. Now, now try it. <laughs> it doesn't taste that good, does it? No. Okay. All right. Well, we'll put this one aside. Who wants to try some sprinkles? All right. So you guys can give me your palms. Turn your palms over. Oh. Okay. Oop. All right. Does anybody else want to try some sprinkles? You might have to come closer to me, okay? All right, close your palm. Does anybody else want to try some sprinkles? Evan, you want to try some sprinkles? Bryce? No? Okay. All right, so what do we like about sprinkles? Are they good or are they bad? Good. They're good. Okay. Who wants to try an egg? No, me. I'm not going to let anybody try an egg because it's not good, unless it's cooked. So here's my egg. It's raw. It's not cracked or anything, so... Ms. Shelby's going to be gentle with that. Who wants to try some water? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay. Just tap your finger in it. All right. Tell me if it's good. I don't taste it. You don't taste it? There's no taste to it? All right. But water is needed. All right. What about oil? Does anybody want to try some oil? You're going to be brave. Okay. Just a small dab. Don't do it? All right. Miss Shelby will do it. I'll tell you if it's good or not bad. It doesn't really have too much of a flavor taste. How about cocoa? Oh, my gosh. Everybody wants. Okay. Miss Shelby, 
If I'm going to... All right. Just do this. Tap and go to a, a part. Okay. You must know it's good. You're going in there for a bunch of it. Oh, it's not good? Oh, it's not good? You want to try, Courtney? Just a little bit. If it had a little bit of water, you must have made some brownies before. Who wants chocolate chip? Oh, me, me. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Everybody stick out your hand. We'll give one chocolate chip. Bryce, Evan, you want a chocolate chip? Bryce, I know you want one. Evan, are you sure? I got one more. Ben, did you get a chocolate chip? Jojo, did you get a chocolate chip? Yeah? All right. What What are chocolate chips? Are they good? Yeah. Miss Shelby's going to eat one. What about sugar? You guys want to try sugar? Of course. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm getting the biggest. All right. Just a little bit. We got to have enough for everybody. You guys want to try sugar, Bryce? You want to try that? It's just so good. It's so good. It's so good? So this is what Miss Shelby needs. These are all the fun ingredients. Oh, you looked at my bag. Don't look at my bag. These are all the fun ingredients that go into brownies. You know what? Were all of them really, really good? No. No? Were all of them really, really bad? No, there were some that were salty, some that we thought were going to be good, but ended up not being really good, right? Well, you know what? We have some times in our life that are really, really good, and we have some times in our life that are not so good and that are bad and hard to go through. What are some things that you guys can think of that are maybe hard to go through? Hmm? Hershey's cocoa is hard to go through. <laughs> what What are some things though that you guys have had that are maybe are hard to go through? Hey Jojo, what just recently happened? You broke your arm. Was that hard to go through? Yeah. Has anybody fallen off their bike when they were trying to lose their training wheels? Miss Shelby had both band-aids on both knees. I had band-aids on my arm. You know what? Those are maybe some bad things that we go through. Maybe we lost someone. Maybe we lost a pet that we really, really love playing with. What are some good things that happens in our life, though? What? Our pets or our loved ones get to live in heaven? Your grandma and they live in heaven. What about when you go home? Do you get a hug from mom and dad? Yeah. Huh? And when do we bake, maybe, or play outside with mom and dad? Those are some good times, right? Those are some fun memories. Well, God is kind of like that to us. 
We don't maybe know why sometimes some bad things happen, but they happen for a reason. And you know what? He is always with us, and he's always in our hearts. He's by our side. And he loves each and every one of you guys, and he loves every single person in this congregation because he made us. And you know what? Because he made us, even though we have some hard times, he always protects us, and he always tries to do what's good for us. Okay? So let's go ahead and have some prayer time. You guys want to help fold your hands and pray? Dear Lord, thank you for giving each of us good and bad things in our lives. Thank you for being with us in the hard times and letting us praise you in the good times. We know you love us and you only want what is best for us. Thank you for always waiting on us with open arms. In your son's name we pray, amen. Lost in our service. In Alaska at Fort Wainwright, Specialist Charles Michael Bodie, 20, from Fresno, California. At the Yukon Training Center in Alaska, Specialist Marquise Gabriel Elliott, 25, from Charlotte, North Carolina. In San Diego, Aviation Electrician Mate First Class Montero J. Friend, 34, from Memphis, Tennessee. At Beaumont, Beaufort, South Carolina, Lance Corporal Derek Thurkill, 21, from Florence, Alabama. And in Florida, Major Stephen O. Osakiu, Jr., 37, from McDonough, Georgia. Thank you, Jay. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I also want to make you aware of uh, uh, the passing of Don Height, uh, who passed away last night after his battle with cancer. Uh, we ask that you keep Carol and their family in your prayers. Uh, and uh, we don't have any information about arrangements, of course, at this time, but uh, we hope that you are able to uh, keep the family in your prayers and ask for God's peace and comfort for, this, for them for this time. Let's pray together. Lord, you are, you are God. You are good. And we trust that you have a good plan and a good purpose for our lives. Lord, sometimes we don't understand. We don't know why we go through the, to- the, the difficult things that we go through. Lord, sometimes we, we question why there are things like cancer or suffering or violence in our world that we have to experience and see loved ones experience. But Lord, even though we may not have all of the perfect answers, maybe we don't have it all wrapped up in a nice, neat bow, we do know one thing, and that is that you are good, and that you love us, and that you have compassion for your people. And so we ask, Lord, that you would be a source of strength and comfort for all those who are suffering and all those who are experiencing loss this time. We especially pray for Don Heights family, for Carol, uh, for the kids and grandkids, that you would... You would be with them, strengthen them, comfort them, give them a peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we also ask the same for the 
families of, of the soldiers who, who we just heard recognized in our service this morning. Lord, you are a God of all peace and all comfort. And so we ask that you would make yourself known to them as well, in, even through this difficult time. Lord, we also acknowledge that there are many in our, in our community, in our church, Lord, who are experiencing difficulties, whether they are health problems or financial, uh, whether they are uh, things that maybe are, are, are not easy to see, like, like maybe relationship problems or family issues, Lord. Uh, we acknowledge that, that life is messy, but you are here with us in the midst of it. And so we ask for your will to be done. We ask for your guidance and your care and your provision where it's needed. And Lord, help us to, uh, help us to see you in the midst of, of everything we go through. Help us to acknowledge you both in the joys and in the sorrows of our life. And help us in all things to keep our sights on eternity and, and, and have the hope of eternal life and your good promises to strengthen us and, and cheer us during difficult times. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is a guide for us and, and, and helps us to, to know you and understand you better. And I pray, Lord, as we, as we continue our, our service this morning, help us to worship you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help us to, to focus in on your word and what you've revealed to us in there. And Lord, help us to, to keep our sights on you. Lord, we pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you at this time to stand and let's sing about the Father's deep love for us. Uh, the words are, are printed in your bulletin. I invite you to join with us in singing how deep the Father's love for us.
men, you may be seated. Our offering today is to go uh, to support the 3C Church Project in Kusel, Germany. Uh, several of us from the church have had an opportunity to go and work at that project uh, in the past few years. Uh, so this is one we definitely have a, a connection to uh, through members of our church family. Uh, and we're happy to have Brittany Wurwell here to, to bless us with some special music during this time. I invite those who are helping, helping with the offering to come forward at this time. Thank you. One with God, the Lord Most High, your hidden glory and creation, now revealed in you are Christ. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus. Jesus, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. 
may be seated. Our reading this morning comes from Psalm 73. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold. For I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens, and they are not plagued by human ills. Therefore, pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their calloused hearts comes iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice, with arrogance. They threaten oppression. Their mouths lay claim to heaven, and their tongues take possession of the earth. Therefore, their people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. They say, how would God know? Does the Most High know anything? This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care, they go on amassing wealth. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been afflicted, and every morning brings new punishments. If I had spoken out like that, I would have betrayed your children. When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply till I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Surely you place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. How suddenly they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. They are like a dream when one awakes. When you arise, Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet I am always with you, and you hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. Thank you. Let's pray together. Lord God, we ask you now that you would be with us as we study your word, as we continue to tackle tough questions from our lives and how to handle them faithfully uh, with you. Lord, the question we have before us today is not an easy one, and it's not one that we, we take lightly. And so we ask for your wisdom, your spirit to guide us. Help us to see clearly the truth from your word uh, and help us to ultimately see things from, uh, from an eternal perspective, Lord. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So I just mentioned the question we have before us today is, it's not an easy one. Uh, some of these tough questions that we've dealt with already are, are good, solid questions uh, that, that we can point to and say, well, here's a, here's a fairly straightforward answer in response to that question. Right? How, do we, how do we handle uh, discussions with people that we disagree with? How do we still show them love? Well, we show them love like Christ showed us love. Right? That's a pretty... Fairly easy answer. It may not be easy to live out, but it's a fairly easy answer to point to in Scripture. 
We looked last week at the, the story of Lazarus and his death and resurrection. And, and again, it's, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a passage we can look to and see Jesus proclaiming right there, I am the resurrection and the life. Right? We can find hope and encouragement from the words right, right from that passage and, and talk about the implications of what that means for us and as well as for our loved ones who have gone before us into glory. But a question like the one we have before us today, right? why does a good, all-powerful God allow evil to exist? That's not a question that we can just point to an easy, straightforward answer from Scripture and, and wrap it up with a nice, neat little bow right? in, in a two-minute sermon or even a 25-minute sermon. right? There's no real easy answer to why people suffer, to why we, why we struggle in this life. You're right, and it's a question. It's one of Christianity's oldest questions. And even dating before the birth and the life and the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's something that God's people struggled with for a long time. From what we can tell, one of the oldest written books of the Bible is Job, right? The story of a righteous man who suffered. And the, the question that Job, the book of Job asks over and over and over again is why do bad things happen to good people? Right, the, the, the prophet Habakkuk dealt with a similar question, but looked at it from a different perspective. Why do good things happen to bad people, right? Why do the unjust, the unrighteous, uh, the unfaithful prosper while, while those who try to do what is right often suffer in this life? Right, these are questions that God's people have been struggling with for a long time. We even see it here in the psalm that Connie just read for you as well as many other psalms, right? Why do we, do we, do we follow God in vain? Do we, do we place our faith in Him for no reason? Because we tend to, in general, suffer while others don't, right? So what, what good, what use does our faith in God have for us when we experience hardships and trials? Right, this is a question that the Scriptures confront over and over again, and it's a question that continues to confront us in the world that we live in today. Right, the problem of evil, the problem of suffering and pain is just as real today as it was 2,000 years ago, as it was 3,000 years ago when this psalm was most likely could have been written or other parts of Scripture were written. Right, the Bible is, one of my professors at Ashland Theological Seminary always said that the Bible is earthy. In other words, the Bible doesn't shy away or hide the fact that, that sin and evil and suffering are a very real part of the existence as we know and experience it. Sin and all of its ugly consequences are on full display in the pages of Scripture. Not as an excuse to do those things, but as a, as a, as a description of the, the problem and the reality that people experience in a fallen and broken world. Right, and it's and so it's important for us on, on, to get started here today to acknowledge that evil and suffering and pain are real and they do exist, right? And they come in all different shapes and forms, right? If you're a farmer today, you've been suffering, haven't you? Right, with the rain and the weather that we've been experiencing, it has been hard on many of the farmers in our community and all over this region. There is real suffering and real hardship that is, that is taking place as a result of the weather patterns that we've been seeing recently. But suffering and evil is, hits a little closer to home too. 
You know, I've been with you as we've sat by the side of, of a loved one's bed as they have been suffering and dying of cancer. I've been with you as families have grieved over the loss of loved ones. For one reason or another, we have been separated from the people that we love. Probably the, the hardest thing that I've uh, ever had to go through or experience uh, in a, from a pastoral perspective was uh, when I was a youth pastor at my previous church, I had to, um, sorry, had to be with a family uh, four kids in our in our youth group and and Allie and I were asked to be there as we had to break the news to them that their three year old nephew had been excuse me had died unexpectedly at the hands of an abuser and had to see what they were going through and experience that evil and suffering and pain exists it is real. And we experience it in many different ways, in many different forms. And and for those of you who maybe are in the midst of suffering or in the midst of pain right now, you know, quick Bible verses, simple solutions aren't always helpful, are they? You know, no theological argument that I could lay out for you today is going to bring back your loved one, is going to undo the suffering that that situation has brought. But what I can tell you is this, and if you hear nothing else that I say to you today, I want you to hear these two things. First, I've already said, is that your pain and your suffering is real. Right? Evil exists in this world, and we all suffer as a result of it. And so don't try to write off your pain or write off what you've experienced as, as no big deal, because it is. Especially for you, right? It is a big deal. And so it's important to acknowledge that. It's important to acknowledge the fact that we live in a broken world. Creation itself is is broken as a result of sin. And sin has so infected our own hearts that we experience and we sometimes dish out the pain and suffering that others and we ourselves experience. And it all began right there at the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And and just a few short chapters later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human human heart were only evil all the time. See, that's the extent of the problem that we're facing here. See, evil isn't just something that is out there. It's not something that just happens to us, but it is something that we struggle with as well. We've been broken and corrupted by the reality of sin too. And, and, and from Genesis 6 on, we see that, that sin had so corrupted our hearts that, that it says that their thoughts are only evil all the time. Right? That was true in Genesis 6, and I believe it's just as true today. Right? Evil, suffering, pain, and, and all of the, the reality and the consequences of sin are, are true today just as they were back then. But that's not the final answer, right? Sin, suffering, grief, sorrow, evil itself does not have the final word. And that's the second and most important thing I want you to remember from today is that God wins in the end, right? Evil does not have the final say. Jesus does. And we know that is true because God's word makes it known to us. 
Right? If you were to look at Scripture, we see, we see there's only four chapters in all of Scripture that d- give us a description of what creation is like unaffected by sin. And that's Genesis 1 and 2, when God created the heavens and the earth, and he called all of creation very good. And then Revelation 21 and 22, when God, through Christ, triumphs over sin, triumphs over evil, and, and recreates the world and the new heaven and the new earth for his people to experience and enjoy forever. And in that picture of the new heaven and the new earth, it says that God will wipe away our tears, right? Sin and death and mourning and crying and pain and all of those things will be a thing of the past. They will be no more because God promises to make everything new. And so we have a hope that, uh, that one day God will right all the wrongs in this world. We may not experience freedom from evil or suffering in this life, but we will in the next. And that hope is encapsulated in uh, Heidelberg question and answer number one. What is my only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. That's our comfort. That's our hope. Is that God has already won. He has already triumphed over sin and death on the cross. And one day when Christ returns to establish his kingdom here in this world, we will be able to experience that in its fullness. But in the meantime, sin and suffering and and evil is still a reality that we have to deal with. And so that's the question before us today. Why is there evil? Why is that something that God hasn't just dealt with or taken care of? You see, there's three realities here that are, in, in a sense, in tension with each other. God is good, God is all-powerful, but yet evil still exists. The philosopher David Hume, uh, back in the 1700s, wrestled with this question. Speaking of God, he said, Is he willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is impotent. If, is he able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then why is there evil? You see, we try to usually explain away or, or downgrade one of these choices to try to help us cope with the reality of evil in this world. We say, well, God really maybe isn't all-powerful, that he is really struggling against evil, and therefore the outcome is uncertain. But that's not what we see in Scripture. Other people try to say that evil really doesn't exist, it's only our perception. That the pain and suffering you experience isn't real, and therefore you need to just, in a sense, get over it. And again, that is not a, a scriptural or faithful perspective that we see from God's Word. God's Word teaches us that God is all-powerful, that there is no rival, there is no other like Him, and that ultimately He will win in the end. Scripture also teaches us that He is completely and truly good, and that He works all things together for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. And yet Scripture also teaches us that evil is real and present in our world. And so we have to try, to try to hold all three of those things in tension in order to explain the reality of evil. 
You see, there's, in a sense, kind of two types of evil we experience in this world. There's the, there's the natural evil, the, the destructive forces of nature that we, that we have to cope with and deal with on a regular basis. Tornadoes, right? Hurricanes, floods are all natural disasters that cause the loss of life and suffering in this world. There's also things like cancer, right? Disease that are, that are unexplained, that often have no cause and effect behind them. They just are, right? And they cause suffering. Those are all uh, what we could call maybe natural forms of evil. There's no direct cause or reason. They just exist because of, we, because of the broken world that we live in. But there's also that moral evil, the, the evil that is done that we can trace back to certain people, right? People have made a decision, and as a result of the decision or the action that they have taken, suffering and evil results, right? And we need to look no further in human history than something like the Holocaust, right? Where, where evil took place, right? The decisions, the, the result of people's moral choices resulted in the death and suffering of millions of people. Right? We see violence, we see war, we see crime, we see discrimination and racism are all moral evils that, that exist in our world because of the decisions and choices of certain people. And so the question is why? Why do we experience these things? Why does evil exist in a world that God, who is all-powerful and all-good, created? Well, I think one of the things that we can point to is, the rea- is that is that evil was a, a necessary side effect of the, of the gift that God gave us in free will. In other words, God created us as human beings with the ability to choose to either follow him and obey him or to reject him. And so along with that gift of free will came the, came the ability, the option, the chance of evil to enter into the world. See, God could have created us with, without the ability uh, uh, to have free will. He could have created us as unthinking robots or, or, or some sort of you know, creation that had no choice. That all we could do was obey him whether we wanted to or not, right? And, and in a creation like that, there would be no evil because nobody would have the choice or the option to disobey him. But yet at the same time, we would not truly be who we are today because... Because if we don't have free will, then we're not really human. We've not really been created as God intended us for it to be. See, with free will comes the, comes the option or comes the possibility of evil, but it also brings with it the possibility of, of truly knowing and loving God as he intended us to know him and love him. See, we can't really have a relationship with him if we don't have the option to choose to know him and love him or to choose to reject him. See, with true love comes that possibility of rejection. And so while God did not create evil, God did not want evil to exist, he created us as human beings with the option to choose him and reject him. And with that rejection, with that choice to disobey God, evil then entered in the world. You see, all evil, all pain, all suffering, even death itself is a result of the fall is the direct consequence of, of disobeying the God who created us to know him and to love him. 
We can't have true, genuine relationship with God without, or, or, or true, genuine love without the possibility of rejecting Him. Does that mean that God created evil? No, of course not. But He allowed it to happen. And so why doesn't God just get rid of it? Right? If He allowed evil to happen, and, and this is now the world that we live in as a result of it, if people suffer and die and experience the pain of uh, and the consequences of evil, why doesn't God just get rid of it? Well, if we're honest with ourselves, if God were to get rid of all evil in this world, that means He'd be getting rid of all of us too, right? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all, in our own way, rejected Him and turned from Him and disobeyed God. And so to wipe away evil from this world would mean to get rid of us as well. To do away with His creation, whom He loves, who He desires to redeem and save and bring back into a relationship with Him. Paul in Romans 3 reminds us that there is no one righteous, not one. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And yet in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Peter reminds us that, that for, for God, that a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. God is not slow in fulfilling His promises. He's patient. Because His patience with us, His patience with this world and creation as it is, means that He's giving us every opportunity to repent and turn to Him and to know Him as Savior and Lord. To be redeemed and, and brought into a relationship with Him. If God in this moment were to just be done, to just wipe this world clean of free of evil, that would mean giving, that would mean getting rid of every opportunity that we have as, as His creation to turn to Him and repent. That would mean that everyone in this moment who did not know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord would be lost forever. And so God allows suffering and evil to, to exist for a time. So that we as his creation may recognize our need for him and turn to him and be saved. And so we, therefore we must, I think, reevaluate good and evil in our minds. We often define good as what's pleasing to me in the moment and evil as what is unpleasant in the moment. But we need to look at it from a different perspective. There's the divine perspective. Understanding that good is what glorifies God. And fulfills his will and conforms us to his nature. I've already mentioned Romans 8.28, right? That God is working all things together for good. The good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Right? Good is not health and wealth and prosperity necessarily. Those things are good, but they are not the ultimate good that God has for us. What is truly good is being conformed to the image of God. So it's not about our short-term comfort, but it's about our eternal welfare. Our perspective, our wisdom is limited. We can only see things from this moment in time, from our perspective, but God sees it from eternal, an eternal perspective. And an infinitely wise God judges things by a different standard than we do. There's also the perspective of time and duration. Some experiences may be evil or painful in the short term, but turn out for good in the long haul. Right? Think, of a, think of your last visit to the dentist. And the repair work that he may have needed to do on your teeth, right? Being in the chair in that moment as the drill is, is going on is not pleasant. It is not good. But you know in the long run that that short and momentary pain is going to bring about a greater good in the long run. And so sometimes the, the pain we experience in this life, sometimes the suffering we go through 
is it may seem in the moment that we, we it's evil, right? There's no good that can come out of this because we have a limited perspective of time. We're in the moment and we can't see beyond our present circumstances. But God can use those things for our good in the long run. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. See, God, what seems like evil, God may use as a means for a greater good. God does not want us to suffer. God does not want us to experience evil, but he can use those experiences to bring about his glory and our good. And we need to look no further in Scripture than, uh, than the story of Joseph. He experienced evil. His brothers beat him, sold him into slavery. He was wrongfully imprisoned. He was forgotten. But eventually he, he rose up to prominence in Egypt and was in a position so that when the famine hit, he was able to not only save his family's lives, but save an entire nation through, his, through God's wisdom and planning. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, he says, Though you intended this for evil, God intended it for good, for the saving of many lives. That right there, I think, sums up God's view of, of our experience in this world. He doesn't want us to suffer. And in fact, sometimes the things we go through may seem unredeemable in the moment. In this side of eternity, we may not see the good that can come out of a cancer diagnosis. We may not see the good that can come out of an abusive relationship. There is no good that comes out of that sometimes from a temporal perspective. The suffering that comes from famine, the suffering that comes from disease, from natural disasters, we don't see the good all of the time there. But God can still redeem it. Right? God can still bring about good from the most difficult and evil experiences of our lives. You see, sometimes we suffer evil as a result of specific sins. We suffer because of the direct choice or action of ourselves or other people. And, and even for us that have experienced forgiveness and new life in Christ, uh, we've been redeemed from the eternal punishment of our sin, but that doesn't remove us from the temporal consequences, right? Sometimes the reason we suffer is because we're dumb and we make bad decisions, right? Sometimes the reason we suffer is because someone else has done evil or done harm to us. And we have to experience the consequences or the result of those decisions. And sometimes, though, that we, we suffer not as a direct result of anyone's sin or anyone's decisions. It's just the reality of the world that we live in. Sometimes evil in general is experienced because of the result of sin in general. Original sin affects this world that we live in. I've said this already. We, are, we live in a broken creation. Romans 8 reminds us that creation has grown, itself is groaning and looking forward to the redemption that is coming. And so sometimes we suffer not as a result of our own sin, not as a result of our own decisions, or even the decisions of others, but simply because of the experience of living in a broken world. John chapter 9 is the story of a man who was born blind. As the disciples are traveling along the road, they see him and they point out to Jesus. They say, now why is this guy blind? Right? Why is he suffering? Is it his fault or is it his parents' fault? 
Right? There's this idea that, that all evil, all suffering in the world must be the result of someone's bad decision. And, John, and, and Jesus reminds them, he says, this man not, was not born blind as the result of his own sin or result of his parents' sin. He was born blind so that, he, so that God may be glorified through him. Right? So if you're suffering, if you're experiencing hardship, don't think, what did I do to deserve this? Right? How did I, what did I do to make this happen? Or what did someone else do to me to make this happen? Sometimes the suffering we go through, the evil we experience is simply the result. I shouldn't say simply, but it is the result of the world that we live in, a world that has been affected and broken by sin. But know, too, that God can be glorified. God can work in and through your situation for your good and for his glory. God can do that. Bear with me. God can do that for for several reasons. Our suffering, our experience of evil helps us to see our need for him. Pain is meant to teach us right and wrong. Right? Think of how children learn. They learn because, you know, pain is a reminder that something is, is potentially dangerous to us. Right? Pain is our body's way of telling us to get out of a situation. That fire is hot. That knife is sharp. Quit it. Right? And sometimes God uses our pain and our suffering and the, the evil we experience in life as a, as, a, as a warning sign, as a way to draw us back to him. Like any parent knows, sometimes we have to allow our children to experience pain for them to truly understand the danger of it. I believe sometimes God allows us to experience the consequences of our actions so that finally we can wake up and realize our need for him. Sometimes we have to hit rock bottom before we realize that we can't save ourselves and we need Christ to save us. Sometimes we, it allows us to recognize the evil and the suffering in our own hearts and so seek God so that he can give us a new heart and redeem us as well. Sometimes God allows us to experience hardship and suffering because he wants us and needs us to be a comfort for others. Second Corinthians 1 teaches us that God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our sorrows so that we ourselves can comfort those who have received, who have experienced trouble as well. Right? God desires to use us, use our pain, use our experience, use our suffering so that we can come alongside another person who is dealing with the same thing. Speaking with some individuals recently, I've been reminded of the, the, the importance of that reality. That when you go through a difficult time, when you experience the loss of a loved one, when you struggle with something in your own life, God wants you to then take that experience and be able to be a blessing to someone else. To come alongside them and say, I know how you're feeling. I know what you're going through because I've been there too. And I don't have all the answers. I can't tell you what to do, but I can be there for you. And I can, I can pray for you. I can love on you because I know what it's like to go through that. God wants to use our experiences to be a blessing to others. And ultimately, God does respond to evil. It's not senseless. It's not, evil does not have the final say, but God does. To Job, he says, where were you when I created the world? In other words, we have a limited perspective and we often try to judge God based on our human standards, but God doesn't operate on our level. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. 
And so in one sense, all we can do is simply sit back and trust him. Trust that God has a plan. Trust that God has it all figured out because uh, from our limited perspective, we can't always see that. That's what the psalmist comes to in Psalm 73. He finally says, yet I am always with you. You hold me by your right hand. You guide me with your counsel and afterward you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. The psalmist is finally able to come around and say, you know, I don't have an answer. I can't explain why I'm suffering. I can't explain why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. But this I can do. I can trust that God has it all figured out. I can trust that God is my strength. I can trust that God will see me through this. And that one day when this life is over, I will be with him in glory forever. God promise, never promises that life will be easy, but he does promise that he will be with us. So why Psalm 23 is so powerful. Right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, that's the promise of Scripture. Not that we will never suffer, not that we will never experience evil, but that God will not abandon us in that. Because God is the God who suffered too. He suffered right alongside us. Jesus, God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, came and he suffered and he died so that he could conquer evil, so that he could conquer sin and death. Jesus, the only person who ever lived who was innocent and undeserving of any sort of suffering and pain, took it on himself. And he did it for us. He did it so in the end we would have the confidence and the hope that he wins. The evil does not have the final say that the victory has been won. In the end, we know that Jesus wins. And I pray that you find comfort and, and solace in that. Let's pray together. Lord, you are a good God. We trust you. We trust that you are in charge. We trust that even though we experience evil and suffering and pain in this world, we know that it doesn't have the final say. That you are with us. That you have brings up, bring us a peace that passes understanding. You bring us confidence that no matter what we experience in this life, we have the hope of eternal life to strengthen us and to comfort us. Help us, Lord, to set our sights on you and not, not be blinded by the experiences of sin and suffering in this world. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand in and in closing sing about God's great faithfulness, number 43 in your hymnals. Thank you.
Amen. Before we depart today, I just want to encourage you to continue to wrestle with this question that we, we tried to wrestle with today. Uh, you can always talk to me and continue to, to ask questions. I may have raised even more than we began with this morning. But know that the conversation doesn't have to end here today. I encourage you to, to reach out, to talk about these things. And, of, of course, always go to God and, and, and lay your uh, burdens at his feet. In other words, from 1 Peter chapter 5, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You may go in peace.